How are things at the bar? Well, we reopened. So the furlough is over. Congratulations. Yeah. That was nice. You know, okay, I'm not gonna lie. This this actually annoys me about Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'm I feel at liberty to finally say it and express myself Uh-oh. at this point. But Lincoln decided to really make some major improvements after I left. Why? Probably because you were gone. Why? Needed to make up. Needed to pick up the slack. Yeah. Okay. So what you're saying is, and this is how I'm interpreting it, uh, and this is how I will choose to interpret it is. Because they're missing me so much, they have to open up one of the biggest liquor stores mm-hmm. in the state of Nebraska yeah. and one of the best tequila bars in all of Nebraska. Yeah, basically, it's like, all right, Aaron's gone, so we got to do something to like get the city back to where it was. Okay, cool. Okay, well, when you say it like that, it makes me feel a little bit better, okay? It's, just, it's not like, thank God he's gone, now we can start making improvements. Yeah, you no, know? no, it was definitely, it was definitely, let's get things even. Okay, well, hearing that from you makes me feel a lot better. Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. All right, everybody, welcome back to Drunkenomics. This is the podcast. No, I think the word we use is display. This is the display. I mean, we're still a podcast. Technically, you know, we meet the benchmarks of a podcast, just kind of like a penny stock is a publicly traded company, technically, right? So exactly. So that's kind of like us, right? We're just that display. We've, we've met that measurement. We still have no idea what we're doing, but it's fun doing it, right? Or actually, you seem to have an idea. Though I have passed the Series 7, still have no idea what I'm doing. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that too loudly. Well, uh, they gave me the passing grade, so, you know, what are they going to do? It and I studied pretty you. hard for it. <laughs> no. All right, fine. I'll recant that statement. But uh, anyways, let's hit the ground running. Uh, real quick before we do, on the other side of this microphone is the less gracious host. Um, what was your name again? Oh, I am uh, James Goldwater, the less gracious host. Yeah. AKA. Usually it depends on the day because sometimes I can out less gracious him. But mm-hmm. uh, here on this side of the microphone, uh, my name is Aaron Wong. Thanks for joining us. But with that said, let's hit the ground running. There's so much to talk about this week. Uh, I want to start off. I like yep. starting off with the news just because I want to cross that bridge and then go from there. But I guess first things first, uh, last week on Wednesday, so when last week's episode dropped, the Federal Reserve announced another QE program in which they're going to buy back more bonds. I think it was, I'm not exactly sure what kind of bonds they're going to buy, but I'm, from what I heard was, it was municipal, municipal bonds. Yeah, probably municipals. It's, yeah, um, it's probably municipals and a couple, obviously the banks. Yeah, they're, um, they're looking, as I see it, they're looking to shore up state and local governments. Uh, so right. small governments and they're looking to try and give them either give them a position to issue more bonds if they need to, which they're going to have to, yeah. or to, uh, or if it was out of direct issuance, then it was to, as I would see it, it's to, it's to get, it's to infuse cash. Yeah. And from what I've heard, you know, if you look at the government jobs, pretty much jobs that are funded by taxpaying dollars at the federal level, not very many jobs have been cut. Not very many jobs have been lost because of the pandemic, but at the local levels, I mean, it's disaster. so many jobs have been lost. Yeah, it's been, it's been a catastrophe. So I didn't look into this article very much. So if it is a bunch of mini bonds that they're buying back up, I think that's awesome. You know, for the most part, it's going to be good for school teachers, firefighters, you know, local government workers, city legislators. I would say, I would say our public servants have been doing their jobs. Yeah. Our elected legislatures. There we to go. say that. And the bureaucrats over there. Well, I think the that- bureau, so for me, the bureaucrats can only do what the legislator lets them do or what our elected officials let them do. But there's still a discrepancy, I think, at least. Uh, I mean. Regardless. It's, right? I-, I won't say that they haven't been doing their jobs. I will say that our elected officials seem to have been, uh, they have not done their jobs. Let's put it that way. They have been yeah. MIA for quite some time. Yeah. And I want to talk about that a lot more later. But I just want to talk to let you guys know what does that mean? Uh, more money is going into local governments. More money is going into banks. So I think it's a good thing. I don't. I don't know if it's a repo program by any means. But in the midst of them doing this, they said, "Hey, 
fiscal arm. You guys got to come up with something. Which they've so, been saying. They've been saying that for months. Yeah, yeah. You know? Dude, Jay Powell's been saying that for I don't know since like what August. Oh, before then. Yeah, probably. He's yeah, been saying, he's been saying it since June. Yeah, <laughs> quietly so, um, at the very least, like quietly saying it, like in meeting minutes oh, and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. And Jay Powell, I think, has been a real trooper during this whole time. Uh, anyways, fast forward to Friday of last week. Pretty, something pretty interesting happened. Well, first of all, Tesla is now in the S&P. Tesla graduated and uh, went to the S&P. And today, they didn't do so well uh, being in the S&P, trading with the big boys. But I was, you know, not, not very many people did very well today. No, that's true. Except for the financial sector. And we'll, and we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. Well, I just thought it was really interesting because the reason why financials, I think, did really well today was because on Friday, after hours, the Fed said, we'll let banks have a share buyback program. Yeah. What happens every single time companies announce a giant buyback program, their shares pop almost every time. It, d- it depends on what the underlying nature of the buyback program is, obviously. Well, yeah, but the second you see a company saying, we're looking to buy back shares, it's, everyone else goes, okay, there's going to be fewer of these, so let's see. Yeah, exactly. So part of it is just, you know, the fact that the shares are more rare, the fact that dilution, it's un- being undiluted, whatever that word is. Yeah. So shares become more valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened on Friday. You know, they priced in the buybacks uh, before, or I guess in the after hours, but they priced in the buybacks before they actually existed today financials led the way even though the markets for the most part were kind of up and down and then they closed i think just above break even like the dow was positive and i think nasdaq and s&p were, were negative they were yeah exactly so but it was enough to be like the market didn't do anything today yeah and financials pretty much paved the way today you know after hours friday they were doing really well and they kind of came, a lot of them came off their highs from Friday after hours. I don't know if that, does that, does that make sense? But they were still, for the most part, in the green. I didn't really day. look. I, I, I haven't really, I didn't follow them that closely. I right. um, I saw that they were allowed to do buybacks and I went, oh, the futures are going to pop on that news. We'll see more of it Sunday night. And then um, Sunday we got other news. And so like. Yeah, well, pretty much are crazy because, you know, fast forward to Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the stimulus deal got announced, $900 billion deal, which we're going to talk about for yeah, a we'll long time. But $900 billion deal, markets bounce 500 points, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least the implied open was up 500 points. Yep. And then there's this new strain until. of COVID. <laughs> yeah, until this happened. And which this new strain, apparently it's more contagious. Yep. And if it's more, gosh, severe, if that's the word, that's probably the one that I had. Well, even if it's the <laughs> Even if it's only the same amount of of dangerous, if it's more contagious, it hits more people. And so 2% of 10 versus 2% of 100. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I think think what happened today was the markets were all over the place. And then all of a sudden, all these pharmaceutical companies were like, you know what? Like, yeah, this new strain is, you know, it's more contagious, Mm -hmm. but- uh, the vaccine will take care of it. Yeah. The Regeneron cocktail will still cure it. Yeah. So, so with the really not- with the vaccines specifically, the mRNA vaccines, so Pfizer and um, oh, who was the other one? Well, it's Moderna, and then there's uh, right. AstraZeneca that has the, yeah. The, but the low, Pfizer yeah. and the Moderna ones are the mRNA vaccines, which essentially right. just put into your body. Uh, so there's apparently there's a specific protein in the COVID vi- in the uh, COVID virus that um allows it to enter the human cells and replicate and so um for the first few days that it's in our body and our body's learning how to react to that is when we get sick and why we get sick so the mrna actually comes in and it, it shows that protein the protein by itself there's no attenuated virus at all yeah. it just shows that one specific protein that's absolutely necessary for the um for the virus itself uh, and its replication and it goes your human body react to this and so the body goes holy shit what is that thing and it takes a you know and then it destroys it and so then if you get exposed to covid it enters your body again your body goes oh this guy again oh, already has its number and it destroys that protein and you don't get sick yeah exactly so your body already builds up that immunity if you will. immunity yeah your, your yeah, body that immunity. your body knows how to respond to that specific marker mm-hmm. and it destroys that marker which makes covid unable to replicate your yeah. body. And so far what we've seen about the vaccine is you take it in some cases you don't feel very good for a couple of days mm-hmm. and then well, it's you your feel body better. reacting to that particular protein. It's sometimes yeah, it's your some body people, building that immunity to that protein. Some people react like immuno immuno um some people's uh immunological response there we go, there go. is over the top. That's what allergies are called. 
Like if you have allergies, it's because your body overreacts to certain things. Yeah. Just responds to it aggressively. Sometimes you get a vaccine. So the mRNA, maybe you react, overreact to that, to that specific protein. Your, your immune system just goes, what is this fucking town on it? Right. Yeah. But it, regardless at the end of it, it builds the immunity to it, mm-hmm. you know, according to science, according to this research. And like you said, once the actual COVID goes in, you know, your body's like, all right, screw this. Uh, we dealt with you before. Yeah, you know, the body like, already knows how to respond. Yeah, exactly. Reacts accordingly and destroys it before it's an issue. Right. And even with this new strain of COVID that we're seeing in the UK, halfway through the day, the trading day, if you will, today, they pretty much said like, oh no, these vaccines and uh, the Regeneron cocktail, you know, which the cocktail is the key. It's a cure, but it's not a vaccine, right? It's, it's correct. You it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's a valid treatment for those that have it, whereas the vaccine is preventative. So, yeah. And uh, so apparently the news of this new strain of COVID caused a lot of uncertainty for the markets. And mm-hmm. then once these pharma companies came out and said, eh, oh, no, guys, guys, is yeah, it, you know, it, it, this is fine. Like we, the vaccine will still cure it or the vaccine will still prevent it. The, um, the cocktail will still cure it. Markets kind of like, oh, OK, well, let's, you know, we, we take back how we initially reacted. You know, we don't need to sell our stocks for booze money. So uh, the way I'd say it is that that news that the um, that the vaccines and that the uh, treatment were still viable against this new strain was enough for people to stop being negative but it wasn't enough for people to take that the good news of the US stimulus package and go all right let's just pay attention to that again i think it's i mean on the one hand i think the stimulus is probably already priced in it was probably actually priced in higher and so the markets were like ooh you know i i, I would say the priced in but i feel like a lot of other things have been priced into the markets you know and like i totally agree with theory from a couple of weeks ago you know we talked about inflation you know the markets are very clearly inflated you know when mm-hmm. we see four p like the average 4p is like 22 to 25 that's inflation basically like when you see okay for people for those of you that don't know what pe is it's price earnings ratio basically what that means is like how much you're paying for a dollar of earnings right when you buy a stock you're buying an ownership share you're buying the right to share in future earnings sharing that and sharing those earnings yeah. yeah exactly i mean it's your proportion of that company that's your portion that you own in that company. It's your. It's literally your share of the earnings. Yeah. It's, it's the reason it's called a share. <laughs> yeah. So when you see PEs that are $200, that's a really expensive dollar of earnings, right? That's a very expensive dollar. Yeah, I spent $200 earnings. to buy a dollar. Why would I do that? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, growth companies are going to have high PEs. I, I mean, you know- Apple in the seventies probably had really high P had a really high P, right? Well they'd have they have to, because what they have is they have an idea and something that's gonna change everything. They have they have a product, but they haven't sold enough of it yet. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's you see really high PEs in companies that are reinvesting their revenues back into the company and thus making them seem less profitable. But it's for growth, right? It's I mean, you're reinvesting back into the company so you can expand into different markets and you can build more factories and create a larger economy as a scale and scope, right? Mm-hmm. That's why there are companies with really high PEs, but when you see a company like Tesla, you know, like their PE ratio is like 1300. That's I think that's unheard obscene. of. Yeah, it's obscene. <laughs> and it's a company with a market cap of pretty much what this new stimulus package was. And I mean, their, their market cap is 300 billion shot of the stimulus package, which is still very substantial. I mean, it's like, it, it's technically, according to market cap, the what fourth biggest company the fifth biggest company in the, the fifth US. biggest in s&p yeah the fifth biggest in, well now that they are in the s&p right yeah. so long way of me saying i agree with your theory on inflation is like the markets that's where the inflation is right when when pe is that high that means equities are expensive when equities are expensive that means they're inflated you know if you look at if you look at the price of rice for instance you know because i'm i'm asian and you would yeah yeah as i would you know it's a very valuable commodity to me um but if you look at the price of like rice it's not going through the roof. I mean, it's not trading at 1,200 times PE. No. So, uh, it, well, you know, another thing I, as I was thinking about it that I kind of maybe hadn't mentioned is the reason that we aren't seeing so much inflation in most of our commodities and, and so TVs, things like that, is we're still we're efficient. We can produce a lot of stuff. Yeah, but it's. I mean, but I'm saying like, I, I say commodities because that's something that's inelastic that everyone's going to have mm-hmm. to buy. But if you look at like clothes, right? I mean, a pair of jeans isn't much more expensive than it was beginning of the year. You know, if we yeah, if no. we saw true hyperinflation this year, price of like jeans would be through the roof, right? Or bread. Yeah. There's inflation anywhere. It's the price of bread, right? They always say the price of bread. You had to yeah, it's bread and milk are the two they like to look at. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So like Germany in the 30s, right? It's 
Yeah, wheelbarrow of cash. Of a bread, yeah. Bread. Or the fact that I could, or that I'll jokingly say like the country in the world with the largest percentage of billionaires is Zimbabwe because inflation's out of control. <laughs> yeah. It's $5 billion to get like a box of matches. It's right, Zimbabwe yeah. dollars. Like not, not, you know, not US dollars, but Zimbabwe dollars. Their currency is just absolutely worthless. Uh, yeah. But ultimately what, what it comes down to is like the price of booze. So I think that's a really good comparison for inflation. The price of booze isn't much more expensive than it was in January. So, yeah. you know, inflation at the economic level, not really going through the roof, but in the terms of markets, equities are insanely expensive. So, yeah. But uh, what I guess what else happened in the news? Weird transition, I know. But uh, merger Mondays are still a thing. Uh, what's what's that Lockheed Martin is trying to buy? Um, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not like that important. Is it Aerojet? Yeah, well, here it is. Lockheed Martin is acquiring Aerojet. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's a $4.4 billion deal. Which, well, it's a it's an attempt to challenge SpaceX. Yes, it is. That's, so that's SpaceX and, that's, and, uh, yeah. and uh, Richard Branson's company. Virgin Galactic. Of it. Virgin Galactic, that's it. Yeah, no, it's so, so yeah, and it's... I mean, um, I mean, that's it's something worth mentioning just because we're seeing mergers and acquisitions, I feel like I've been a very common thing. We talked about SPACs. And now we have to talk about antitrust because of certain kinds of mergers and acquisitions. Right, exactly. Um, which, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Like this week, there's just so much to talk about. So, I mean, that's... I guess, I guess kind of our way of transitioning yeah, into that thing. I mean, I, I could see, so Lockheed buying Aerojet makes sense. It's a viable part of their business. It's not a competitive part. It's not a competitor to their business. It's a part of what they're trying to do. It's, it's a sector within a sector that they're trying to get into. Yeah, or that they're right. already in. And so and that brings to the question of when can you buy? Like when, when you merge with someone, when you acquire something, mm-hmm. when is it antitrust? When is it just smart business? And the answer really is your reasons. Right. And I really want to talk about that. But before we do, I want to touch up last week's episode. Mm-hmm. So we reached out to a couple of our uh, UK followers because last week we talked about Brexit. Yep. Uh, our main dude, Max. Got back to us quick, fast, in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, Max, love you, man. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, good on you. Uh, hope, th- hope things are going well at London School of Economics. And at some point, I really hope that you come around to enjoying Isla Scotches because Isla Scotches are the best. <laughs> and I'm glad you like gin more for you because I don't like gin. How about um, how about you drink but, the Isla gin? We'll drink the Isla Scotch and together. We can all enjoy our trip to Isla. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the botanist. The, mm-hmm. Okay, the botanist is actually a pretty solid gin. Yes, it is. Um, but anyways, now, he so, jumped. He jumped. He jumped on me for uh, for saying Scot- Scotland will want to leave. Uh, and his point was that they do have to wait. You know, it's a once in a generation right. vote, so they have to wait 16 more years. Well, my, I mean, and my view is, you're right. Wales probably won't ever leave. They're very industrial, they're very uh, production-oriented, so there's no reason for them to want to enter Europe right now. Um, but for me, if you're Scotland in 16 years, you essentially get to sit here and look and go, we stayed, they left, we thought, well, at least we're still part of Europe, and then we left Europe. So maybe, to me, that would be enough for them to be like, you know what, yeah. let's just go. We'll join that. I mean, it creates a whole different set of issues, but I think all you said was, it won't be for another generation, and my response is, you're right. But it's not. I don't think it's going to be easy. A foregone conclusion that they stay. As for Northern Ireland, also, you're absolutely right. At present, there is no interest in in really joining the Republic of Ireland, even the UK. Even the UK. Mm-hmm. But I think that as their hold becomes closer and closer to to Northern Ireland and to, or I'm sorry, to the Republic of Ireland and to Europe, in terms of an open border, in terms of uh, all the rest of it, that it it becomes perhaps less beneficial to be part of the UK. Yeah. Also with, and I'm not going to say it's perfect, but I would say with a, a, a more liberal Republic of Ireland and a, but also just that when you see the Ireland voting to legalize abortion, that suggests that it's becoming a much more liberal state. You know, mm. that's, that's how I'd respond to and that. Also like last week, I kind of made Brexit seem like it was a, the motive behind it was an immigration issue. It was an immigration issue, but it was more of just like a sovereignty. Like we want to be in control. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if such, you, all you need to know is policy. for me or guys like Nigel Farage, who, when he ran on the Brexit platform, well, his, he's Mr. He, Brexit he himself. Had a, yeah, exactly. And he literally created a new political party called the Brexit Party, right? Uh, well, yeah, he's basically UKIP, which is the UK Independence Party. There you go. See what it's it's, it's very uh, UK first. Like, so in New Zealand, there's New Zealand first. There's a New Zealand first party. But even well, it I, will yeah, acknowledge but, science when it when it comes right, up. Yeah, but I think I, but I think the goal was yeah, like- they, No, they wanted- well, out, If we trade with the US, we want our own deal. We, we don't want the same deal that yeah. e, the EU's, you know, which like, is it better? Is it worse? I don't know. It all depends. I, I don't think it all it, depends. It, it really all depends because like maybe they do come out of this on top, right? I don't really see a way that Possible. that's that that's going to happen, but maybe they do, right? It like seems unlikely sh- with their um, with the UK's. The UK has more their food standards, so 
food quality standards are higher in the UK than they are in the US. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works on a trade front because we're going to really try and get our agricultural products into the UK. Because if you look at the United States, we produce a huge amount of agricultural products. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, so when they start trading with like China, India, all that kind of stuff, they they don't have to go through the EU. And I think that's ultimately what they wanted, right? They also had to pay the EU 300 million, 350 million. So this is what I was was, was trying to get at. Which really, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, I don't know how big the like. If the U.S. had to pay the EU 350 million a week, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that much. It's not. But it's a lot more for the U.K. economy than for the U.S. economy. I'm not saying sure, that but if you look I, at the I, benefits, I would want the U.S. to do that, but I'm just saying. If you look at right. the benefits the U.K. got out of that, which is essentially you got a lot of engineers into, into the U.K., you got a lot of nurses, a huge number of nurses into the U.K. Mm-hmm. And so right, the, yeah, um, the NHS... National Health Service in the UK has had a shortage of nurses for quite some time. And it's going to get worse with the fact that all the European nurses are going to, they no longer have visas. They're going to have to go back to the the, the Frances and the German French and German nurses and you have French and German engineers who are in a scramble probably to get out right now um, because they don't have a legal right to work in an independent UK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I I, I want to wrap up the Brexit conversation, but like, um, Max, thanks for your uh, input. Yeah, the feedback. Uh, really Love appreciate it. it. One of these days, we're going to get you on our Discord, and we'll have a conversation. Yeah, we'll bring you into the... Uh, yeah, because I think, personally, no offense to you, James, I think Max knows a ton more about this than you and I do. I should so, hope so. Yeah, I it's mean... A little, it's, a li- it's a little more... Um, he should have substantially more self-interest in it than I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that too. Uh, and, you know, and Max is a smart kid. Yeah, so that was, so that was another I thing just, for me. He's at London School of Economics, so I just remembered. Yeah. But, or, as you mentioned, I don't well, remember. He's, crea- but, he's um, created a drunken Alex following within the London School of Economics. That's how cool Max is. Which I thoroughly appreciate. Max is the man for that. But moving on. Okay, so let's do antitrust and then yep. uh, let's see how much time we have and then we'll talk about... Stimulus part two, electric boogaloo. Yeah, the freaking boogaloo, man. But first of all... Uh, so the 48 states, I think it was 48 states. And the Department of Justice. And the DOJ, that's right. So yeah. um, 48 states and the DOJ uh, found there's antitrust ground against... Facebook. Yeah, is that language correct? I don't know if that yeah, language is Yeah, no, correct. so so um, yeah, the Department of Justice and 48 different attorneys general have signed in, have signed on to the same antitrust lawsuit against Facebook. Yeah, so they found grounds for antitrust action against Facebook. Yeah, I think there's another company too. Um, A few states have filed against Google. Yeah. Um, that one's I, a little this, less. The state of California, I think, has filed against Google. Yeah, and that one's a little silly. I think that I, I don't know if that case is. Yeah, and I think was Amazon mentioned in that, or were they not mentioned? Amazon, I can't, I can't ha- remember. No, the EU is. Uh, I'm sorry, the EU is looking at Amazon. Oh, okay. well, so not really? the US. That's weird. Okay, so I did actually see something. I just yeah, that was in, in November. The EU started looking at Google. Oh, I'm man. sorry, at Amazon. No, yeah, there's there's some interesting kind of prospective lawsuits in Europe when it comes to things like privacy. Uh, So those are, uh, they're not necessarily antitrust those, but they are, they're floating into antitrust territory when they start saying you're so involved and intermixed with everything Mm -hmm. that this privacy issue is a serious societal issue. Yeah, exactly. So I think the antitrust action isn't necessarily against like, as far as Amazon goes, it's, I mean, I feel like there are grounds against like their actual fundamental business and how quickly they're gobbling up mm-hmm. uh, little companies along along the way. Well, see, with but, Google, uh, though, I don't know if... I mean, they've made some major acquisitions, YouTube, for example, but YouTube and isn't... Bing. Didn't they buy Bing? No, Bing is Microsoft. Oh, okay, sorry. But okay. like, if you look at like... So Google's big acquisition was YouTube. Yeah, it which was, yeah. YouTube's not... It's not a search... I mean, it has a search engine, but it's not a search engine. It's a repository for videos. Yeah. You know, it's not... That's not an issue. Yeah, but I think that big um if you will the big grounds for amazon and facebook and google is just the, the information of users right yeah so the targeted advertisement i think i think that's the space yeah that they're and really, so because if you think about the industry it's not like it's not really social media because how does social media make money advertising absolutely right for the most part and amazon is web services which is kind of a different it's a little more nebulous yeah, it's different it's a different beast but they also make a huge percentage of the revenues comes from targeted advertisements mm-hmm. too placement and then and then also placement of where you get to be in the results of the search engine so like you could say like okay does google play favorites with yeah. the order in like which that's really the space that they're taking over that's the space that is being monopolized so yeah, yeah. but before we go on any further like let's define antitrust the way i like to look at antitrust is i, I think the big thing the big antitrust lawsuit was, was standard oil yeah. back in 1890 Back when the Sherman Antitrust Act was trust yeah, busting. But it busted up Standard Oil. Um, who's the guy that- Rockefeller. Ran? 
Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller, in case you guys are wondering, his net worth at his peak was 2% of the U.S. GDP. Mm -hmm. He controlled 90% of all U.S. oil transportation. And as you can tell, that that could be a problem. (laughs) That could be a huge problem. So If you control any of an entire sector that people need alone, you create, you make business inefficient or markets inefficient. Not to mention, you know, if the other, one of the companies in the other 10%, let's just say they don't do business with the state of Idaho, right? Like, cause they don't Mm -hmm. have any means to transport oil to Idaho. Then everybody that lives in those states, they have to pay whatever standard oil charges. Yeah. There's no competition. Right. Yeah. So as you can see, that's not a good thing. That's, that's problematic. Competition is good. You know, and I think that's if you roll that forward into what's going on now, Facebook needs a nemesis. You know, you ever seen the movie uh, Talladega Nights? Oh, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. It's kind of like that. You know, every like hero needs a nemesis to kind of propel them forward. Well, it's it's the idea is so that I guess the difference would be like if it's a monopoly, there's one car racing at the Indy 500. I guarantee you I know who's going to win. Yeah. So that's like what's going on with antitrust hearing. I don't really know what has come up of it. Um, I just, it's something that I just want you to know that it's going on. There's a chance Facebook, maybe Google, maybe. With Facebook, so you can be, you can be facing antitrust action because you have created a trust, which is to say you control the market. Like there's no competition. There's no way for competition to start. That's one way to be facing antitrust action. Another way is if you start to get close to that or if you start to behave in a monopolistic fashion towards smaller firms. Yeah. Right. So it's it's it can be either what you are or why you make decisions the way you make decisions. Yeah. And that was the thing with Standard Oil was Rockefeller would go to like remote parts of New Mexico and remote parts of like Louisiana, Alabama, and all those different places. And he'd see a gas station or whatever. I mean, I don't know what, you, what they're called back then, whatever. But then he'd start buying up yeah. like those oil yeah, What he, he would do uh, is he would go start buying the actual production. Yeah, exactly. So eventually, if you, wanted to, if you wanted to sell gas, you had to buy from Yeah, him. well, he, he would start buying the production and the distribution, right? So, mm-hmm. he, like, so he ended up owning the entire oil supply chain in-house, right? Yeah. But yeah, um, so maybe what we start seeing, it, it's going to take some time, but maybe what we start seeing is... You know, Facebook is going to start, like, they might be forced to start divesting their holdings into yeah. their subsidiaries like they, Instagram. Maybe if, maybe if, Amazon had, will have to spin out Whole Foods again. Yeah, there's I, some I argument know, to right? that. For me, it would be, if you look at it, if they're going to have to divest, you'd probably see, like, Amazon being forced to divest, like, their, like, the prime for movies and yeah. to actually be a direct competitor then. With Netflix, right? So it can't be like it can't be like well, our movie studio is subsidized by our, our web services, by our web services, right? right? So you yeah. force them into being different structures that actually have to compete in their industries. Yeah, exactly. Um, Amazon is different because like Facebook has scale, Google has scale, but like Amazon has scale and scope. You mm-hmm. know, so I think it's a little bit it's it's different for Amazon. But who knows? Maybe I think that's going to be the result of it. I don't know. Right. So but anyways, like I, I want to move off of that and start yeah. going into start breaking down the stimulus. Uh, first of all, your Excel sheet is amazing. Thanks for putting that together. Like, no, guys, seriously, like James put together this Excel sheet. Well, I need to make sense down. of it to myself. Like so when I when I right. see like when I, whenever I see a news article and I see these a lot where they're like, oh, it's nine hundred billion dollars and they're and this is where they're spending it. I want to go in and be like, OK. What are they not telling me yeah, about? So or, we'll get to that section on the Excel sheet later, but um, our freaking less gracious host, talking about his less graciousness here, put together this Excel sheet that breaks down the $900 billion plan in a lot less than 5,593 pages, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I've got, it, I've got it down to roughly so, uh, 22, uh, 22, cells. 22 rows. <laughs> yeah, 22 cells. So um, basically, you know, we see... $284 billion are going to go to PPP loans. PPP loans, in my opinion, they help, but they don't help. So they're, if you look at a lot of other countries, so Japan, Germany, everyone else, a lot of these countries have the, have their federal governments backstopping their payrolls. So this is us attempting yeah, but, to do that. But the way you do it is by creating a liability that then yeah, gets written off. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, so you have like PPP loans create more liabilities for these small yeah, businesses. Initially. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't think what they need more of now are liabilities. I think what they need more now of is cash, right? Like the most current of assets. Yeah, the most liquid. Yeah. The liquid asset. The liquid asset. I mean, well, no, the liquid asset is scotch. Okay, shut up. <laughs> so the second most liquid asset, cash. Um, that's what they need right now, right? 
you know, but 284 billion, I, I guess it's better than nothing. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, it, it sucks and complain about a $284 billion plan to kind of carry things over for small businesses. Well, you know? it's a it, great idea, but it's not. It's, let's look at it this way. It's something, but it's late. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's one of the things about, like, about the markets today, right, was like there's so much good news about this last weekend that normally would have propelled markets forward, um, even though they're inflated and all that kind of stuff, whatever, bypass all of that. Normally, um, the news over the weekend uh, would have propelled markets forward by a mile. But I think what the markets also were kind of concerned about was if $600 is supposed to carry us forward for another three months, which that was in the language for the bill, like this is going to carry us over into March. It's, it's, it's the way they've written it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that like, it decries the fact that, um, let's look at this way. The $1,200 in April mm-hmm. is $1,200 that had to last nine months. Right. That doesn't, who does that help? And now, yeah, there's the unemployment that went with it, which at the end yeah. of that, it's done. So like the actual raw stimulus, the $1,200, mm-hmm. that helped for like a couple of weeks. It did. It helped for, I would say, one month. Right, yeah. Unemployment benefits, I think, helped. We're helping. You know, we're, we're picking for, up a lot of that. People that collected it, right? It helped. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it ended. And the right? problem now is that not only did the unemployment benefits end, did the stimulus, was it a one-off that apparently was supposed to last for nine months based on the way it was done? Uh, at the same time as all this is happening, you've got the issue of the, at the time, if you look at how the stimulus was kind of spent, very little of the direct stimulus was actually spent on consumption. About 48% of it back in April was spent- um, on investing? Nope, paying down debt. Oh yeah. 48% so they, so they was go. to that pay off pre-existing debt. Right. And then about 38% was saved for the rainy day. So if we look at that, that's- 80, 75 to 80%, depending on where you were, was spent, was either saved or spent retiring debt. So it didn't actually go around to consuming at all. Yeah, well, I, you know, and the day is still raining. So, um, but I mean, the virus has hurt obviously a ton of people, but I think the main industries that it's been killing is like movie theaters and restaurants. Restaurants make up a huge, I mean, think about how many millions of Americans, think about how many people you and I both know <laughs> that have like poured their life savings into investing into a restaurant and have made a career out of that and have done really well. And now they're getting shafted. And the stimulus is really just like a water gun to a house fire. I, I'd be willing to even call it a, a garden hose. It's still not enough. No, like it's exactly. just, but it's, I, I, the reason why I call it a water gun is because a garden hose is actually, the stream is going to last a little It's a little more constant. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's going to last a lot longer, right? $600. Yeah, $600 it's, really like- It's better than a poke in the eye with, a, like. with a rusty nail or a sharp stick. But yeah. Cool. What's that going to do? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have what, an analogy here. I don't, I, I, I'm not contributing to our drinking game I, because I just- it's just, it's to me it's the like, only it's, and it's not even really an analogy it's it's for me the comparison it's like um it's okay um i broke my leg and uh, make a good one and they showed up <laughs> with some aspirin and they went this will take care of the pain and they try to reset my leg it's like that's a, that's not quite enough yeah well I mean, you know, no this, like but the 600 dollars i think the uncertainty was like how long is this supposed to last us how like how long is this supposed to actually carry us forward for mm-hmm. and like how like you know, the small businesses that have been responsible, have saved, like how, how much longer do they have to brace for that impact for, right? And there was really no certainty behind that. And I think that's part of why markets didn't really react, you know, but I think overall, like the economy isn't going to recover that well because the government at the end of the day wants their money back. It's it's a lot like TARP in 2008 where they, you know, they bail out the banks and they're like, okay, well, like, hold on. At the end of the day, we want our money back. For me, I don't even know if it's that. I think, and 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 this is kind of, this is going to flirt with political, but I think that what's happened is that the the average age of the members of the House, of Con- the House is just shy of 58 and the average age of the Senate is just shy of 62. And they're all multimillionaires. Well, yeah, but then the average age of the U.S., I guess the the median age um, in 2018 was 38. Yeah, it's 37.9. Is it is it these these? I think these guys in Congress are looking at it, going, "Well, I'm definitely getting paid. I'm a millionaire. Is it really that bad out there?" And the answer is yes, but they don't see it. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm saying. Like, if we suspend their pay, we we suspend all sort of political contributions, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think we should have done that. Like, I think we should have just imposed that because also that would have helped with you know the national deficit and all that kind of stuff. You know, but it also would have motivated them to like hurry up and make a deal, especially to the people that are hurting. Because like at the end of the day, like the big businesses, the you know Wells Fargo's, Goldman Sachs, and Apple's and Amazon's of the world, they're gonna be okay. They've all turned profits. Yeah, well, they all one they all have. But I'm saying like even like the gosh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a big company that didn't do well. 
But I mean, yeah, a lot of companies have struggled, right? A lot of big companies have struggled and they've missed a lot of expectations. But we've also seen companies like Nike and Lululemon, they've pivoted and they've done extremely well. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, they're like, even if they didn't, like, they would have been fine. Like the guys that weren't going to do well is, you know, your favorite bar down the street that is forced to shut yeah, down. Your small businesses don't have the reserves to sit through this. Yeah. You know, you look at the stimulus package, like, look, I'm not going to sit here and say $900 billion stimulus package isn't great because it's it's a hell of a lot better than nothing. It's better than the $500 billion that we were think that, that Mitch McConnell initially wanted. And it's $400 billion better than that deal, right? Yeah. And then if you look at the... If you look at the $400 trillion that they've repurposed into Fed lending programs, this really could behave like a $1.3, $1.4 trillion program. Yeah, and appara- well, this is the thing. apparently Trump wanted $2,000 per person. Yeah. I know those are just reports, uh, but I actually believe it because he actually was all, I mean, he's all he was all about it um, and, ha- and having himself sign off on the check, right? Yeah. And he wanted $2,000 per person. You know, how they settle on $600? I don't know. Uh, you, know you know, if if this is supposed to hold us over to March, two thousand dollars would go a lot. Would have gone a lot further. Let's put it yeah. this way: I saw a tweet from someone in New Zealand who essentially tweeted six hundred dollars for how long? Our stimulus here is roughly six hundred dollars a week. Now, granted, there's a there's an exchange difference, but still, you're the richest country in the world, and you can't afford that. Yeah, I mean that's what you've been saying for a long time. I mean, what we're seeing here is like, if you look at your Excel sheet, you break down the Excel sheet. I mean, it's 15 billion for movie theaters. That's pretty much nothing. Targeted grants, 20 billion. Yeah, and also whatever that means. Yeah, who knows, right? Renters. Well, I I mean, forbearance programs have kind of ended. A lot of things ended, uh, what was it? Four, it's about four months. It's most been ended in August. Months. Yeah. So it's been about four months when most things have ended. Yeah, most things have lapsed. Yeah. So now you're giving 25 billion to, to relieve that, yeah, it's better than nothing. But is is it really going to make a dent? Who For knows? me, it's and, it's a like it's a hell of a lot easier to be proactive about something than reactive. And this it's is very reactive. It's kind of well, like this, this whole thing is it's all reactive. This is all this is six thousand pages of trying to be reactive, right? Of absolutely, being absolutely reactive. The first stimulus was yeah. reactive because it had to be. It was reaction to something that hadn't been foreseen. But this next yeah. stimulus, which probably should have happened in July should have been proactive this, and it, this should have happened it, four times since july i mean this this should not be the second yeah. let's put it that but, way i mean you know i'm glancing down your excel sheet mm-hmm. and the, the renters clause i mean that section is probably like 500 pages right so who knows what's actually in it right yeah who, like, so who, so what they've done is who knows is apparently in this there's a, there's 25 billion dollars for renters whatever that means however that's going to get yeah. dispersed however that's going to get paid out i mean yeah. are they just going to take the number of people who rent homes as opposed to own and then disperse that evenly among them because yeah just to, just to kind of keep the landlords just to hold them over uh, yeah right? well and even and even then it's is it going to be directly earmarked that it has to go to, to the landlord because then what's the point in giving it to the renter you might as well just give it straight to the people that are renting yeah and then have them pay the renter and then the question right? becomes okay well if that's not the thing well do we do the same thing for corporate renter like for corporate yeah, leasing exactly. agents right and then does this include corporate renters who are theoretically getting cash somewhere else? Who knows? I have no, I have no idea. Yeah. And commercial real estate, like, like who knows? Yeah. Right. So, so if you add all those things up, $25 billion, it's nothing. It, I mean, it's pretty close to nothing. Not to mention like, so we have $28 billion going to vaccines. Um, 20, I think 20, I think that'll actually help like $28 billion. Yeah, 28 billion to buy and to buy and distribute vaccines. That's I, think that's, good. I think that's a substantial amount for that. Right, um, the twenty billion um, to assist in testing to figure out where the tests need to be. Well, and to pay tests where the vaccines to pay need to go to, to continue testing and to give them the equipment and all that kind of because, like, yeah. if you're at an actual testing site, like, I mean, these guys are freaking in hazmat suits, right? Those all cost money, right? So I think that'll help. Well, it can't hurt. Yeah, there's some, there's some goodness there. I, I don't know how much of a dent it'll make, but I think $20 billion in that, like, because that's something we don't really spend money on, right? We've never spent money on that before, ever. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll help. And then you go into, you know, childcare and schools. I mean, that's, you know, $92 billion. Between the two. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I think that'll make it's, a dent. I mean, if you and if you look at how eighty-two of that has specifically been earmarked to upgrade and improve the heating and air conditioning of schools, yeah, which is very specific. I yeah, think that, I mean that that'll help a lot. It, it, let's put it this way: if you run an HVAC business, yeah. hey, maybe there's a contract out there for you. you. Know, I hope you win. So the yeah, bid. that could that could maybe theoretically stimulate some yeah. consumption and some employment. Yeah, not to mention. Okay, so moving on to food stamps, thirteen billion. Mm-hmm. I, 
I think that's good. I don't. I don't know how much. I don't. I don't know. Really, I don't really think that's probably not enough, given how many people are requiring. Well, I mean, more, I don't know how many people are actually fact that, the fact that a lot more. Food stamp applications have yeah. been sent in since it's, this started. Yeah, so but also that you see like food banks, like you see like the lines like around Christmas or pre-Christmas as we still are. Also, Merry Christmas, everyone! Oh yeah, that's right. Hey, Six hundred dollars. Yeah, that's your gift from the U.S. government. Buy your folks like, before, nice. before Thanksgiving. You also saw like lines, just mile-long lines of cars trying to get to a food bank. So, I mean, food insecurity in the United States, which should never happen is a thing yeah. you know they say something like eight million people globally are going to slip into poverty yeah, well, i mean like, have already slipped into poverty several million in the u.s are, are slipping into poverty yeah, it's, it's i'm saying we sh- it, we're saying it should never happen like this is different obviously but i agree with you like you know i i do think that you know there's enough wealth in this country well, when i say you know, when i talk poverty, about food i just mean like this country produces so much food yeah people should never be at risk of starving and, and we produce and so much not food having per food. capita it's, i mean it's it's unbelievable because yeah. like we produce food for so many other countries too right so you know anyways moving on like past food stamps seven billion dollars for broadband seven billion to expand broadband uh you know, speaking of the news, uh, I, I should have mentioned this earlier in the episode. We're experiencing a bunch of cybersecurity threats. If you look at all the cybersecurity yeah. stocks in the U.S., they're popping right now because the government is scrambling to them. All uh, the Russians to, broke into DOE. Yeah, so Department of Energy is, is seven billion dollars really going to help with broadband? Probably not. Well, um, you know, the thing is, the United States is the one country that should have better internet than everybody else. Yeah. So maybe this will be a good. It's a good starting point, but if we're gonna if the United States really wants to drive consumption and improve the quality of life citizens uh, of our citizens, then we need to start spending a huge amount of money on the infrastructure of this country. And mm-hmm. that's internet, electricity, uh, roads. Yeah. Uh, the railroads, probably we can, we can just, we're, we're probably actually to... okay. I think those guys, I think those companies actually have, have kept really on top of their yeah, own stuff. Exactly. Whereas like roads and highways, which we have 10 billion for highways yeah. in this. And Regardless, $7 billion in broadband, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think is pretty much close to nothing. It's not enough. It's not enough to do it, but it, it, it's enough to maybe get things started. Yeah, and we're saying, like we said, like $7 billion is a lot of money for anybody. But like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if you look at like all broadband across the country, I mean, it's, it's literally nothing. Uh, but anyways, moving on to airlines. Yeah. We know that the airline industry is struggling. Uh, the big thing about airlines is, uh, a lot of the employees that have been furloughed, they were getting help from the employee, the unemployment benefits. Those have stopped. So there is there is a length. There's a maximum length for unemployment in this country, which is another very interesting. Yeah, it's six concept. months, right? Especially yeah. if one if one allows that timeline to continue to exist. You know, when the crisis that causes the unemployment is still going. Yeah, exactly. On. It's one of those uh, things where it's I, like. I, oh, and the thing know. is, like, I don't disagree with with the timeline on unemployment benefits. I I don't. But in this situation, mm. it's different. Well, right? this is an exigent circumstance. So you can't. Yeah, this is a completely exigent. Yeah. So the thing about the airline employee, uh, the the airline stimulus. Um, the sixteen billion dollars. If you think about the mar- the total market cap of airline companies in the U.S., I mean they've decreased so much that like literally the outstanding debt for airline companies is literally. I'm not even joking. It's literally greater than the market cap of all airline companies. So this was obviously going to help. Mm-hmm. You know, well, essentially this is also- this is a fi- this is a wage subsidy for those employees. Yeah, so it's it's supposed to essentially give them their checks and take that pressure that burden off the uh the airline yeah and just and also make sure that their jobs are waiting for them when yeah. things open back up and people are starting to fly again you know make sure that these airline companies are still in business because if if they fold those twenty thousand jobs are never coming back so you know moving into transit and highways um 14 billion dollars i think for transit that's for subways Ultimately, a good thing. Uh, I don't. In mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things, it doesn't seem like much, but I think it'll help at least for the major cities in the U.S. Ten billion for highways. I don't know. It's something. Okay, it's it's better than nothing, but it's close to nothing. Yeah. But ultimately, what it comes yeah. down to is, you know, so we have seventy six billion. We have seventy six billion for direct payments. Uh, that's your six hundred dollars that you're gonna get. According to James' math, that's going to account to about seventy six billion. Seventy six point five or seventy six point four nine, really. I think it was it was. Yeah. And the way I did that, I just took the number of people that got a check last time, and I multiply about the same number of people by six hundred dollars this time. So yeah. 
So I think it checks out. It might be more. I I don't know. It might be less. It might be uh, more. That's just a ballpark. But figure. I think it's a good figure. I think I think the way you came up with it, I think is solid. Um. So let's just say it's that right, seventy six billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Like we've said all episode, I think in the grand scheme of things, it's a dent in what's actually going on. We're seeing around sixty eight billion in unemployment, which I think is also maybe a dent. And that's when I say in unemployment, I mean that's the three hundred dollar weekly benefit. For the next 12 weeks. Right. I mean, if you add these numbers together, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's around a hundred, you know, 115, $116 billion for direct payments and unemployment. You know, yeah, that'll help. And that's a lot better than nothing. I'll say hundred, yeah, 140. But we're also, you know, and we didn't go through the 6,000 pages, believe it or not. So, <laughs> not on a yeah, day. so we still have about 214 and a half billion dollars that has been completely unaccounted for. So maybe that is in the direct payments. Maybe that's in unemployment. Maybe that's in school HVAC. Maybe that's in a bunch of different other categories. Who knows, right? Yeah. So... You know, I'm not going to sit here and say $900 billion sucks because I think it, it helps, but it just, it just, it really is just a matter of how long is this supposed to hold us over for? Yeah. It's to me, I look at it and then there's, you know, there's $215 billion that are kind of unaccounted for. Yeah. So in other things or, or maybe my, my numbers are wrong. And so it's just, it's meant to, you know, maybe that assumes that the 800, 800,000 people, new unemployment, you know, new jobless claims every week is going to continue for a while. Which would increase that three hundred dollars yeah. subsidy through March. Well, I think at some point, like because um, once certain states are opening back up, I, I think that that number will decline. Right. That's the next big question: is is because in order to decline, you have to have consumption, and in order to have consumption, people have to have money to spend. Well, not necessarily because because like a lot of I think a lot of government jobs are going to start opening back up. I think a lot of uh, medical workers, especially with the vaccine, I think a lot of those jobs are going to open back up, right? I'm not saying that those numbers are for sure going to decline soon because I don't think they will. Well, I, um, I would say this. I, I could say that medical workers are almost certainly going to have a lot of money coming out of this that they can spend. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, so m- medical workers are going to get vaccinated first, right? Which I think ultimately what that what that means is there's going to be more shifts available. So I think the jobless claims and the wages, at least in that field, are going to go back up, are going to start kind of normalizing just because you have more people working in at the same time, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm way off on that. I don't know. Uh, you got to let me know. But I'll say that it's going to be off. it's going to be a really weak market to be an employee for a while. That there are going to be a lot more people looking for work than there are going to be jobs initially available. Yeah, but I'm, so but I'm saying like it. two months from now, right? Like once the vaccines start to get distributed, uh, I think the jobs claims are going to start going down. I don't think they're going to go back to the the two hundred fifteen thousand a week level that it was before. I mean, that was ridiculous. I mean, that's like, those were amazing numbers, maybe misleading, but they were really good numbers. And that was all before shutdowns started happening. I mean, that's like when we first started our podcast, which was in February, when, you know, the jobless claims a week were around what, 215 to 230,000. Yeah. And then, and then we got to a point where it was a million a week. And, yeah, it was, whereas, and now it's 800, now it's, it's seven to 800, seven to 900,000 a week, which is not good. Well, I mean, that's terrible. No, one of the things that that's, shocked me is then we started getting the job jobless numbers and it's like uh oh jobless numbers surprise wall street at 850,000 in november and i'm like as opposed to 920 expected how? and it's like well, no, 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 no. it was like they, they said they said oh we expected 802,000 it was 860 and they're like they're like oh we're shocked by this and i was like why no one has money so no one's out spending on christmas well and, but, like, it was, but it was even money backwards too and because I mean, of we that saw, we saw companies it, I mean, aren't hiring but i'm saying the amount of times where we expected 800,000 Right, eight hundred thousand jobless claims. Yeah, and we surpassed those, and we got seven hundred eight thousand jobless claims, or whatever it is. Right, seven hundred eight thousand is still terrible. I mean, it's still god awful. And, and there were times when markets were like, "That's so much better than expected," and we priced in the eight hundred thousand a week. So we're gonna, you know, pump up the prices. Yeah, see a bounce. Yeah, so we're gonna, you know, we saw yeah. that so many times. So. It's a long way of me saying like, yeah, th- this stimulus is a lot better than nothing. Uh, and I'm glad they came up with something, but I don't know. Maybe well, I think when- if, they did, if they didn't come up with something, there was probably, you know, a point going into January. Well, where- I'll say this. I was starting to not expect the stimulus package because, you know, I've been saying forever, cut the foreplay, right? Yeah. You know, they cut the foreplay, but the sex really wasn't that good. No. I used to think we could shame them into doing the right thing. Clearly, that's not a thing. I used to think, and then I thought maybe they would do the right thing, which clearly no. Yeah. But you'd think like now it's, 
Do we actually have to scare them into it? Do we just have to like guillotine one member of Congress every? Well, like I said, well, I mean, let's not even go that far. Let's just suspend their pay, right? I think that'd be awesome. It would never. Well, get that's passed. the. I would say that's the guillotining of Congress. It's just like, uh, you know what? Actually, that is a thing. It never. It would never get passed because because we voted them to not pass it, right? So well, for me, I would like to. I, I suppose this is what we should do: is that um, if you get elected to Congress, essentially, it's you get paid. You get paid while things are going on, but at the end of. Um, at the end of your term, so at the end of every Congress, so every two years, there should be a ballot initiative, uh, you know, on every single ballot in every single state that says essentially, should congressman, whoever your congressman is, so in your district, it says, should congressman blank be paid? Or should they have to pay back their salary? Their salary? And then the senators, do both of your senators, do both of them deserve to be paid through this through this last two yeah, years. Yeah, but and, also, uh, that's a little bit tough, too, because I feel like that's, that just could be... Like, it's a clawback no. provision. We have them in accounting for CEOs. It just says, hey, look, you're going to have to pay it back. That's true. Yeah, but it's different, with, so C- but it's it's, different with CEOs and the senators because it, it could literally be like, this This senator didn't promote enough to fund the police initiatives, and then now a bunch of people vote against them getting paid. Sure, right? but that's... For better or for worse. Sure, but that's, right? that's, but that's an issue for them to discuss with their constituents. If 51% of your constituents think you're not doing your job right, okay, well, that's you're fair. not. That's totally fair. I will say this. I'm, you know me and you know my stance on politicians, and there's, there's enough good guys on the Hill. But for the most part, like, you know how I feel about politicians. Mm-hmm. I'm a lot more for this than against that. So you have my blessing, James. You have my blessing. That's what I'm to trying to say. claw back their salaries? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but I think it also, I, is that a perfect methodology? No, but it's of enough, I think, not. No for a congressman perfect. to be like, wow, yeah. okay, I can be retained in office and then have my salary stripped from me for the last period. Does it create issues of like, would they become substantially more corrupt? I think they would, right? Because they no longer depend on their public salary. It's now the private salary. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, well, I mean, you hear the thing, play asshole games, get ass- win asshole prizes, you know? Yeah, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, but... I don't know. Maybe we'll come up with something during the week and we'll have people in our Discord chime in and let us know. What can we do to make people on the Hill more accountable? Uh, but anyways, I want to tie a bow on it. Um, I hope you fix your stove. Mm-hmm. Before we let you, we cut you off and get you over to that. A couple quick announcements. One, Discord. Getting a lot of good interaction. Whole new channel. Whole new channel. Yeah. Fill and kill. Start a fill and kill channel. So, you know, that's pretty much for like... It's not for you to put your money where your mouth is and show us that you are being drunkonomical. Yes, exactly. Because it's not the same. This podcast isn't the same unless you're drinking with us, you know? And if you're you're listening in the car, that's totally cool. Listen in the car. Man, uh, you know, however you do it, do it. Just show us what you're drinking on your time off. Yeah. If you get to the bar after the car ride, what exactly is it that you're drinking? Hopefully it's not gin, um, unless you're Max. Yeah, just drink whatever you want. Show us. Yeah. If you like gin, then, you know... We'll we don't you. tell you what you have but to fill and kill. Just, just fill and kill. kill. Uh, that's true. That's that's a really good point. You know, I just I just like scotch so much, and I just think it's a cardinal sin that that it's it costs so much money uh, in the states. So I, I'll shut up about politics now. But that's my stance. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, up next is Patreon. P a t r e o n dot c o m. If you're a patron and you're ever in the Greater Dallas area, let me know because I want to buy you a beer. Find us there. Uh, donate to us for whatever reason. After that, we have merch. Yep, merch is back. Yeah, we have merch is back. So it's shop.spreadshirt.com slash drunkenomics. I feel like those are those are all words that are pretty easy to spell. But drunkenomics, in case you don't know how to spell it, is D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-S. Not D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-A-L. That is us on social media, at Drunkenomical. So find us there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Drunkonomical. It's not hard to find. Um, if you have any questions about like where to find us on Discord, where to find our merch, where to find us on Patreon, reach out to us on social media. We're very accessible and um, I think very easy to talk to. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope so. So with that said, I don't think we have anything else to say. Phil and Kill said Chestnut Checkers. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. I've experienced this this weekend for the first time in a while. I had a hangover. <laughs> guess what? Oh, it's rough. Yeah. Hangovers suck. Stay drunk and my friends. Cheers.